بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد نسلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ ٹوڈے از دا الیونتھ آف جون ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ وی موو آن ٹو دا ٹوینٹیس So inshallah today, <coughs> going up to and including verse 57. So verse 54, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem, Bismillah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. And that those on whom knowledge has been bestowed may learn that this is the truth from your Lord and that they may believe therein and their hearts may be made humbly open to it. For verily, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the guide of those who believe to the straight path. So this is directly linked to the previous verse. And in the previous verse, Allah ta'ala mentions about the satanic verses. And he mentions those in whose hearts is a disease and those whose hearts are hardened. It is a fitna for them, i.e. with regards to shaitan's interference. But here in this verse, Allah Ta'ala mentions the opposite. Those who receive guidance, they are the ones whom Allah Ta'ala has favored. Verse 55. Those who reject faith will not cease to be in doubt concerning until the hour comes suddenly upon them or there comes to them the penalty of a day of disaster. So in this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, those who reject faith will not cease to be in doubt concerning. But concerning what? Concerning i.e. the revelation. So how do we know? In Ibn Jareen and Ibn Kathir, and Ibn Kathir states this was favored by Ibn Jareen. Ibn Juraj, rahmatullah, he recited this portion of verse 55. وَلَا يَزَعُلُ الَّذِينَ كَفُرُوا فِي مِلْيَةٍ مِّنْ Those who reject faith will not cease to be in doubt concerning. He explained, the unbelievers will remain in doubt concerning this Qur'an. So even though Allah Ta'ala doesn't mention the Qur'an or the revelation, the authorities say he's referring to this. And the kuffar will always be in doubt concerning the Qur'an according to the favored view. And then it says, Until the hour comes suddenly upon them. Mujahid, he explained It means by surprise. This is in Ibn Jadid and Ibn Kathir's tafsir. So now, if you look at this verse, Allah Ta'ala says, the unbelievers will be in doubt concerning the Qur'an and this will continue until the hour. So they will always be skeptics of the Qur'an. So now what's interesting, <coughs> they're in doubt. And yet, in Surah Baqarah, Surah 2 verse 2, right at the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentions that. ذَلِكَ الْكِتَابِ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهِ هُدَلْ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ This is the book, it is guidance for sure, without doubt to those who have taqwa. So Allah Ta'ala says the opposite. He says there is absolutely no doubt about this book. But it is for the people of taqwa, i.e. those who receive this, this treasured state. So now Imam Suyuti says something about this verse which is relevant. 
سو امام سیوتی رحمت اللہ علیہ ان از ورک اسرار ترتیب القرآن آئی سیکرٹس ود ان دا آرڈر آف دا قرآن پیج ففٹی سکس آف دا انگلش ٹرانسلیشن ہی اسٹیٹس اسکالرس ڈسکرائب دا بگننگ آف سورا البقرا And he recited the first two verses. Alif Laam Meen, Dhalik Al-Kitab Laari Bafi. As a direct address regarding the straight path mentioned in Fatiha. Ihdina Surat Al-Mustaqim, verse 6. So it is as if the person supplicates to be shown the straight path and shortly after is given the answer. This is the straight path about which you inquire. Ayy the Quran. This is reported from Ali. which is raised to the Prophet ﷺ, in which he said, the straight path is the Qur'an. And this is also in Hakim and his Mustadrat from Ibn Mas'ud. This interpretation is befitting as it displays a reason for the relationship between Fatiha and Al-Baqarah. So simply put, in Surah Fatiha, we ask at least 17 times a day, اِهْدِنَ السِّرَاطُ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ Guide us to the straight path. And just a few verses later, right at the beginning of Baqarah, Allah Ta'ala says, ذَلِكَ الْكِتَابِ لَا رِيبَ فِي هُدَلِّ الْمُتَّقِينَ This is the book in which there is no doubt. So according to Ali and Ibn Mas'ud, some related back to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Sirat al-Mustaqim is the Qur'an. So when you're asking 17 times, guide us on the straight path, guide us to the straight path, is referring to the Qur'an. And it, Imam Suyuti said this is the link between the two surahs. When people say, why is Baqarah straight after Fatiha? And you look at the beginning and you realize why Baqarah follows Fatiha. This is one of the reasons Imam Suyuti, Rahmatullah Alayh, he gives. And also, another point is mentioned. So, the Quran, there is no doubt The hadith is in Sayyih Bukhari, Sayyih Muslim, and Ibn Kathir's tafsir, volume 1, page 163. Abu Huraira radiyallahu, he relates that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, every prophet, alayhi salatu wa sallam, was given an ayat, a miracle or a sign, the type of which brings mankind to faith. What I, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, was given is wahyan, revelation, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down to me. Thus, I hope I will have the most following on the day of resurrection. So here the Prophet himself, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in his flawless report in Bukhari and Muslim, he said every Prophet was given a sign, ayat, and through that Allah helped the people to come into Islam. But then he goes, I've been given wahyan, revelation. And inshallah, he said, I hope to have the most following. So this is a proof that there's no doubt in the Qur'an. Why? Because through whatever ages, even in the age we're living in, people are embracing Islam through the Qur'an. So note, it doesn't outdate, it doesn't get old, it's constantly giving you signs. And this is why there's another report in Hakim in his Mustadrak Sahih, Zahabi Sahih, Abu Dhar radiyallahu alayhi that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, <coughs> there is nothing that facilitates nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala better than that which has emanated from Allah, meaning the Qur'an. So the quickest way to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the Qur'an. And this is the gift that Allah ta'ala says that I've given to you. So if you go back to the verse which we're discussing, Allah ta'ala mentions in verse 55, those who reject faith, they will not cease to be in doubt concerning the Qur'an. Look at the irony. Yeah. 
the unbelievers are the Quran is taking them away because this proves that he's not a prophet this proves this is a false religion and yet Allah is saying that this will actually bring the people quickly to, to myself so note this is the miracle of the Quran and this is why famously Umar because I heard the Prophet say Allah will raise people with this book and he will abase people people through this book he honors people and he also dishonors people and also what's the reason why this is taking place in surah 47 verse 24 so in surah muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam surah 47 verse 24 allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he mentions do they not earnestly seek to understand the quran or are there locks upon their hearts? So what does this mean? In Ibn Jarir and Ibn Kathir's tafsir, Urwa, rahmatullah he relates, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam once recited this verse, Ayah Surah 47, verse 24, and a young man from Yemen, he responded, Indeed, there are locks upon them until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens them totally or slightly. After this, Umar who always was fond of that young man and kept that man to himself until he became the Khalif upon which he utilized him as an advisor. So what does Allah the Almighty and Glorious say? That the Dabbar, the Dabbar means to reflect, to contemplate, because do they not contemplate, reflect upon the Quran? Allah gives the reason. Am ala qulubin aqfaluha or are there locks upon their hearts? So now what's shocking? When Rasulullah recited this verse, a man he actually explained the verse in front of the Prophet. So this was a very brave thing to do. Why? Because you shouldn't have done that. The Prophet is usually the one who explains. The Prophet didn't respond to him, meaning his interpretation was correct. What did he say? There are locks. Until Allah opens them totally or slightly, meaning some people, their hearts aren't totally open. So they only can take a little bit of the Qur'an. The problem is not with the Qur'an, the problem is with your heart. But if your heart is completely open, you'll take more. So when Umar saw that the Prophet didn't correct him, Umar held that man with great veneration. Why? Because he always kept people close who were attached to the Qur'an. So this is another reason why the Kuffar can't take from the Qur'an. Why? Because they lo- their hearts are not just, they're completely locked. <coughs> so note, this is uh, helping to explain. And also, in Surah uh, Anfal, Surah 8, verse 24. So, Surah, in Surah 8, verse 24, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explicitly, He says, O you who believe, respond to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when He calls you to that which gives you life. So there's a hadith in Sayyid Bukhari and he reports Abu Sa'id al-Mu'alla radiyallahu said I was once praying when the Prophet passed by sallallahu alayhi wa and called me but I did not answer him until I finished the salah. He then said what prevented you from call, uh, answering me? Hasn't Allah the Almighty and Glorious said Ya ayyuhalladheena amanustajibu lillahi walil rasoole idha da'akum lima yuhyikum O you who believe, respond to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger when he calls you to that which gives you life. 
And then the Prophet informed him of the greatest surah Ayy Fatiha. So, how is this relevant? What does Allah the Almighty and Glorious say? He said, Oh, you who believe, respond to Allah and His Messenger to that which gives you life. So now, obviously, it's not talking about physical life. The per, you know, the person was alive. So, what is the life Allah is talking about? He's talking about the spiritual life, the heart, the life of the heart. And the Sahaba was offering salat, so he innocently thought, I have to complete my prayer before I respond to the Prophet. But the Prophet said, No, you should have terminated your prayer. Because Allah says that when I, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and or his messenger call you, you need to respond. <laughs> so this is again the impact of the Quran. The, the Quran should have that impact that it gives you life, i.e., the spiritual life. And this is why the Prophet famously said, that, O oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, make the Quran the Rabi of my heart, or the Rabi of our hearts. In Imam Ahmad's Musnad Hassan, Rabi is the life-giving rain which comes in spring. It gives life to the heart. So note, the Quran is the cure to the hearts. But if you turn away from it, then this is, that means your heart, there's something wrong with your heart. And then it says, at the end of verse 55, aqim. Or there comes to them the penalty of a day of disaster. So what is Yawmin Aqim? In Baghwi and Ibn Katir's tafsir, Ikrimah, Rahmatullah, he said, Yawmun Aqim means the day of resurrection following which there will be no night. Yawmin Aqim means the day of resurrection following which there will be no night. So Yawmin Aqim is the day of judgment. But why is it called the day? Because there's no night. So Allah Ta'ala is saying that it's too late when this takes place. Now the word rape, doubt. Imam Qurtubi said something very interesting about this. So Imam Qurtubi in his tafsir, volume 1, page 139, he states, In the language of the Arabs, the rape denotes everything which is hidden from you, which is common. It is used for the setting of the sun, I Maghrib. Ghayb comes is from the root. Muhiba is used for a woman when her husband is absent. So when a husband is absent, you can refer to woman as Muhiba. We fall into a Ghayba. This means a hole in the ground. Ghayaba is a forest, which is a group of trees into which one disappears. It is also used for low-lying ground because it is out of sight. So when Allah the Almighty Glory says there is no doubt, if you look at the connotations, you can appreciate that there is absolutely no doubt in the glorious Quran. Verse 56. On that day, the kingdom will be that of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He will judge between them. So those who believe and work righteousness will be in gardens of bliss. So now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says something here. He goes, Al-mulku On that day, the kingdom will be for Allah. Such power as evil has over those who yield it will now be gone. As the respite granted to shaitan will be over. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's kingdom will be established. So look how beautiful. After Allah ta'ala mentions the satanic verse, and then Allah ta'ala mentions the cure of the Quran, he then mentions the day of judgment. Why? 
Because shaitan has now absolutely no power. The little power that Allah Ta'ala gave him has gone. And Allah Ta'ala goes, I am the king I on that day. And also, in another passage, in Surah 40 verse 16, in Surah 40, Surah Ghafir verse 16, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, He mentions there, لِمَنِ الْمُلْكُ الْيَوْمِ لِلَّهِ الْوَاحِدِ الْقَحَارِ Whose will be the kingdom that day? That of Allah, the one, the irresistible. So Allah Ta'ala is asking the question, whose will be the kingdom on that day? And then he says himself, subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one, I Allah, the irresistible. So now, Mufti Shafi, in Ma'rif al-Quran, he comments here, in volume 7, page 596 of the English translation, he says that Imam Qurtubi from Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he relates a hadith that all human beings will be assembled together on a clear surface, a surface on which no sin would have been committed by anyone. At that time, a herald will be commanded to call out, Limanil Mulkul Yawm, to whom belongs the kingdom today. Thereupon the entire creation, believer or disbeliever, will respond, To Allah, the one that all dominant. As for the believers, they will be more pleased to say this, for this will be part of their belief. But as for the unbelievers, they will confess to it sadly and helplessly. So this is one report. So who is actually speaking here when Allah Ta'ala says, According to this hadith in Qurtubi Ma'rif al-Qur'an, it's an angel who says this. He's asking the question. A herald will say this. And who says? Lillahi al-wahid al-qahar. Everybody. The believers and the unbelievers. The believers say it with happiness. The unbelievers say it now with great sadness. But if you look at this report, Ibn Masood said, they will all be assembled on a clear surface a surface on which no sin would have been committed. So what's taking place? So in brief, in Surah 14 verse 48, in Surah Ibrahim salam, verse 48, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, One day the earth will be changed to a different earth, and so will the heavens. So there's a report. In Abd ibn Humayd, Behaki in Shu'ab al-Iman, Ibn Jarir, Fat al-Bari, 11-315, states Sayyih Mawkuf. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he recited this portion of verse 48. The day the earth will be changed to a different earth and so will the heavens, he explains. Means this earth will be changed to another like silver on which blood has never been shed, and on which no sin has ever been committed. So Allah Ta'ala says, the earth will be changed to another earth. It, why? Because no sins would have taken place on that earth, and it will be complete silver. And also it mentions, that the reason for this, is because Allah Ta'ala's courtroom, is going to be pure. So even though the earth is the earth, it's a different earth. So going back to this report, when Ibn Masood, what did he say? He said they will assemble on a land clean where no sin has been committed. So look how perfect the judgment. It's a perfect courtroom. 
An angel calls out, who does the kingdom belong to? Everybody responds to the one and only. But then Mufti Shafi says, however, other narration showed that this statement is made by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself when the entire creation will lie annihilated after the first blowing of the, of the horn. And when even specially close ones, the angels Jibreel, Mikail, Israfil, Malik al-Mawd will also meet death and no one except the one being of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will remain. At that time, he subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, Limanil mulkul yawm, to whom does the kingdom belong today? Since there will be no one to answer at that time, he himself answers, Lillahil wahidil qahar, to Allah the one, the only, the dominant. So who is it? So there's two sets of reports. One report says, that it's the angel saying, to who does the kingdom belonging to belong today? And then we respond to Allah Ta'ala, the one and dominant. Another hadith says it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's saying it, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and he responds to his own statement. So Mufti Shafi says, in Tafsir ad-Dur al-Mantur, after reporting both these narrations, it has been said, it is possible that this statement is made twice. The first by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when at the time of the annihilation of the universe, following the first blowing of the horn. So who says it first? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything is wiped out. Nobody can respond. One hadith says he waits 40 years. Nobody responds. Then he says, Lillahil wahid al-qahar. And the second, Imam Sayyuti said, time is the angels when the creation has been brought back to life following the second blowing of the horn. So this is why it's important to go through commentary. So when Allah Ta'ala says, it's Allah Ta'ala saying that first and foremost, and then it's the angel who will say it on the day of resurrection. So why have I mentioned this here? Go back to the verse, verse 56. What does Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala say? On that day, the kingdom will belong to Allah. So the Quran is explaining what's happening. Allah Ta'ala is now saying, where are the kings? In fact, one hadith he says that in Bukhari, where are the kings? <laughs> and if you think about it, what a joke. You know, who are the kings? You know, and goes, where are the kings? He could not even a whisper. He goes, now you know that I am the king. Then the verse says, he will judge between them. So those who believe and do pure deeds will be in gardens of bliss. Verse 57. And for those who reject faith and deny our signs, there will be a humiliating punishment. So Allah the Almighty and Glorious sets out the stall on the day of resurrection and he says, on that day people will be honored who deserve to be honored and people will be punished, I who certainly deserve to be punished. So I'll decide the وَلِيَعْلَمَ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْعِلْمَ أَنَّهُ الْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّكَ فَيُؤْمِنُوا بِهِ فَتُخْبِتَ لَهُ قُلُوبُهُمْ وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَهَادِ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِلَى صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ 
ولا يزال الذين كفروا في مريه منه حتى تاتيهم الساعه بغته او ياتيهم عذاب يوم عقيم الملك يومئذ لله يحكم بينهم فالذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات في جنات النعيم والذين كفروا وكذبوا باياتنا فاولئك And just, I should have mentioned, sorry. If you look at verse 56, Allah Ta'ala says, Jannatin Na'im. So he describes paradise as bliss. Na'im. And the very last verse of Surah Taqathul, ثُمَّ لَتُسْأَلُنَّ يَوْمَ عِذٍ عَنِ النَّعِيمِ On that day, you should be questioned about the, the bliss. So what is the bliss? It means the blessings you enjoyed. But Allah Ta'ala describes paradise as Jannatin Na'im. That is the place where you truly will enjoy the blessings of Almighty Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So we pray to Almighty Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala that He makes the Quran the Rabbi of our hearts. And I pray to Almighty Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala that He forgives me for any edits which I may have inadvertently uttered. So man, the Bihamdi is one of the Allahumma Bihamdika Ishrullahi Lahi Illa Adda Astaghfirika Atubu Alaika Wa Rizalaim Nizam Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala Fikir Abbil Izzati Amma Yisifun Wa Salaamu Rabbil Al-Kari Wa Alhamdulillah Rabbil Al-Admin Bismillah Rabbil Al-Rahim Wa Al-Asr Indisan Lafi Khusr Al-Ladina Aminu Wa Amilu Salaam Wa Al-Wasb Al-Haq Wa Al-Wasb Al-Sabr Salaam Wa Al-Wasb Al-Sabr